0: If you would take your copy of scripture, turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11. We're going to come to a a very familiar passage that maybe you've heard before. And uh, the one line that we always repeat from it is, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Now, you may not think that that's a hard saying of Jesus, but as we unpack what he's talking about today, you'll see that it is hard. Rest is kind of an elusive thing, isn't it? I think if there's one word that does not characterize us as people, it's rested. I know, because I say all the time, I just need some more rest. I just would like to get more rest. I wish I could have more time to rest. And it seems that everything that we do is trying to bring rest in our life. But we don't find it. Why is that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us today that there's only one path to rest and no others. There's only one person that you can know that brings rest and nobody else. And so today in Matthew chapter 11, we're going to start in verse 25. Jesus is going to help us to understand the call that he makes to everybody. And this is an open call to everyone. Come to me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isn't that a beautiful and wonderful promise? So let's start in verse 25, and we're going to hear what Jesus means when he says, Come to me. Verse 25 At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, we start off with at this time and we need to know what that means. What time is that? And Jesus had just had several experiences in a row of people coming to him or rejecting him. And at the beginning of John chapter 11, we get this beautiful, beautiful story where John the Baptist has a moment of doubt. Probably not just a moment of doubt, a season of doubt. He's languishing in prison. He's found out that he's going to lose his head very soon. And he's thinking, hey, man, this following Jesus thing hasn't worked out the way I thought it would. And so he's sitting in prison and Jesus isn't coming to bust him out. And so John calls some people who are still following him and says, Listen, I need you to go and talk to Jesus and I need you to ask him one question. And they said, Okay, John, what is it? Here's my question Ask Jesus, are you the expected one or should I be looking for somebody else? And those disciples ran to Jesus. And I love these details you get in the story. Jesus is in the middle of teaching. There's an entire crowd there. And these guys just bust up in the middle of the crowd. Jesus, we got a question from John the Baptist. You can imagine that would just shut everything down. And they asked him, are you the expected one? Or should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus reached back in the Old Testament and took a prophecy of the Messiah and he shared it with them. He said, you go back and tell John that. And they did. And then Jesus turned to the crowd and I'm sure the crowd was thinking, oh no, John the Baptist is questioning whether this guy is the one. I mean, this is the same John the Baptist who said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, this is the one who I prophesied about that who comes after me is before me, the one that I'm not worthy to untie his sandals. If he has doubts, what about us? And Jesus says, listen, I tell you that John the Baptist was the greatest among men. And you should be like him. And then we get these verses right before what Jesus is about to say here. And Jesus talks about the cities that he'd been in just prior to this. And here's what he's saying. All these cities saw his power. They saw his glory. They saw his miracles and they reject him. And then Jesus says this. It would have been better. It'll be better for Sodom and Gomorrah and the day of judgment than it will be for these cities. Because they rejected me. So at that time... Jesus speaks to a crowd and he says, come to me. Come to me. The call to find true rest. Jesus is speaking to people who may have been in those cities. He's speaking to people who may have been in the crowd when John the Baptist asked his question and he's making it simple and clear. If you wanna find rest, true, everlasting rest, Come to me. Come to me. So he says, at this time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Now that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, does it? Jesus has said, listen, you've rejected me and there's going to be judgment for that. And then he goes to pray to God and says, thank you, God, that you've hidden this from the super intelligent people but you've revealed it to infants. What does that mean? That he's hidden it from the wise and the intelligent and revealed it to infants. He's basically saying this, God, I thank you that you've hidden who I am and what I can do and my plan for this world in plain sight. You've hidden it in plain sight. And here's the problem, we've seen two different groups of people either get it or miss it completely. So what's the difference? Jesus says that God has hidden this truth in plain sight of who he is and what he's done. And we see John the Baptist coming with his doubts and asking questions so he may believe. We see cities watching Jesus and hearing him teach and seeing him perform miracles and rejecting. And this is what he says. There's something to being wise and intelligent in your own eyes. And there's something to being an infant. He's hidden in plain sight. And here's what he's saying. The reason that this is hidden from the wise and intelligent is that they're not really willing or ready to see themselves or to see God. See, the people that Jesus spoke to most often thought they already knew who God was. They had all the information about who God is. And so they're not really willing to listen to any new information about God. In fact, that was one of the reasons that the scribes and Pharisees hated Jesus so much. Is that They're gonna say, you can't sit there and tell me anything new about God. I know everything. And I'm satisfied with myself and I'm satisfied with my God. I don't want to change. So Jesus says, God, thank you. That you've hidden this wonderful, beautiful, powerful truth from these people who don't want to change. But he's also talking about these people who are not willing to be teachable. It's amazing to think that these people that are students of the law that memorize the law, that recite the law, that talk about their love of the law. When the lawgiver himself comes and tells us the heart and the intention of the law, what do we do? We reject it and say, no, I don't want to hear that. You could almost see them in the crowd as Jesus would begin to teach about the law or teach about God's heart. And they would say, I already know that. This, This isn't for me. See, Jesus is talking about a difference in how we approach who he is and what he says and who he wants to be in our life. You have the wise and intelligent who say, I'm satisfied with myself. I'm satisfied with God. I don't need anything else. And then you have those babes that are saying, I want more. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied with what I know about God. I'm not satisfied with how God's working in my life. I want more. And you have the group of people who say, there's nothing new that you can teach me. I know it all. One of the scariest things that I have heard in ministry is when people come to me and they'll ask me, what are we going to be studying on Wednesday night? What are you going to be preaching on on Sunday morning? And I tell them and their response is, oh, I already heard that. Oh, really? You, You heard it? Do you live it? See, there's a difference between hearing and doing, and Jesus talks about that all the time. So there's a group of people who say, I've already heard that, Jesus. I don't need to hear that again. And there's another group who says, Jesus, tell me more. Tell me. I, I want to be taught. I want to know you. I want to know what you require from me. I want to know how to live for you. He says he hidden it from the wise and made it clear to those who are infants. The difference is coming to the place where you're able to see the biggest obstacles in your life to being in relationship to God. And I really think that there's two obstacles that we all face. The crowd that day faced it. The cities faced it. John faced it. The biggest obstacles that we face in our life to really having an intimate personal relationship with God is this, comfort and control. We we want God to be in our life, but we don't want God to disturb our comfort. God, I want to follow you on my terms. God, I want to give my life to you in the places that I want to give it to you and I want to keep it in the places that I don't. There was a book written, I think, in the late 60s, early 70s, and it's called How Big Is Your God? And the author said, it's a very powerful and condemning quote. Here's what he says. Most of us come to God and we act like God is a cashier at a grocery store. And we say, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to change me. Not enough to make me love people who are different than I am. Not enough to make me get out of my comfort zone. Just enough, like a warm glass of milk, to put me to bed every night. The biggest obstacle that these people face, the biggest obstacle that we face, is the comfort and control issue. We want to be comfortable and we want to be in control. We want God to be our savior and we want to be Lord. God, you can do the heavy lifting and you can save me. But then when you put me on the right path, I will take charge. And I'll see myself through. Thank you very much. And so Jesus is speaking to this group and he says, listen, what's the biggest obstacle in your life? The biggest obstacle to mine and your relationship to God is me and it's you. And Jesus is saying, listen, here's the catch. Here's the reality. You cannot have rest apart from Jesus. It doesn't exist. See, we, we go to Jesus and say, Jesus, make me happy. And what we mean is Jesus, give me stuff. And what he wants to do is give us himself. Because he knows that there is no such thing as happiness apart from himself. We say, Jesus, give me joy. And what we mean by that is change my circumstances so that I am happy in my circumstances. And, and Jesus says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can only give you joy with me. Joy doesn't exist apart from me. Jesus, give me Peace. So he says, here's the catch. If you want peace, if you want rest, if you want joy, they only come through me. And the problem that he's trying to help these people and us to see is this. There's a thing that Jesus quotes over and over again in the New Testament. He kind of reaches back into the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. And he says, these people are like the people of old who build cisterns that don't hold water. Now, we don't use that term cistern too much, but we'll use one for today, a well. How good would a well be that you dug that has no water in it? And how bad would it be if you stood around the well all the time and go, look at my well. Look how awesome it is. It is full of clean, clear drinking water. And they say, well, buddy, pull up a bucket. I'd like to try some. Oh, there's no water in there. We do the same thing we create these things that we say are going to give us joy they say you're going to give us satisfaction they say we're going to give us rest and then we stand around completely miserable with all the people who are completely miserable and go look at our stuff i have this huge house and my heart is empty i've got this awesome job and i can't see my family I've wasted all these years of my life. But look what I've got to show for it. You can't have rest without Jesus. So he says, this was pleasing. Verse 26. Yes, Father, for this way was well pleasing in your sight. Really? This way was pleasing? Yeah. This way was pleasing. And and you have to ask yourself, the question is, why would Jesus be happy about this? Well, the reason that Jesus is happy about this is because Jesus knows God's joy. He knows what brings God joy and and satisfies God's heart. Let me tell you what that is. You want to know what satisfies God's heart? God's joy is reconciling people to himself. God's joy is saving people who wanna be saved and he's good at it. So here's what Jesus says. This was pleasing, Father. This was pleasing because everybody that wants this, everybody that sees this as a need, you will save without question. You will transform without question. You will make new without question. And those that don't, won't. He said, this was pleasing. And then Jesus says in verse 27, all things have been handed over to me by my father. And no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and anyone to whom the son wills to reveal him. Here's what Jesus is saying. The reason this is pleasing is because God has given Jesus some authority. And that authority is over all things. All things, but even the most important things. Jesus has the authority to reveal God to you. Think about that. The greatest need we have as human beings is to know God, to know the one true living God, who He is, what He wants, how He feels, what He expects. And here's what Jesus is saying God has given me authority. And the authority that he's given me is for me to reveal him to you. In John fourteen or John 1, verse 18, we hear that Jesus is the only begotten of God who comes from the bosom of God, who explains God to us. In John 14, 7, Jesus says, not only have you seen the father and know him, but now you see him in me. If you ever wonder what God thinks about something, if you ever wonder what God would say about something, if you ever wonder how God would act in a circumstance, just look at Jesus. And under the authority given to him by God, everything that he does speaks for God, explains God, and reveals God to us. But even more than that, Jesus has divine authority to invite you into the divine love. I mean, that's really the whole point of what's happening here in this passage. Yes, he uses the term rest, but what he's talking about is rest that comes from being connected to God. 2 Peter chapter 1 gives us this beautiful picture of what Jesus is talking about here. And here's what it says. That when we come to faith in Jesus, we are taken up and put into the divine love that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit have for one another. We are invited and connected to that relationship. I don't know about you. That blows my mind. That God would love me enough to bring me into his intimate, personal, perfect, loving relationship that he has Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then he brings me and he brings you in. And here's the cool thing it doesn't diminish his love for any part of himself, and it doesn't diminish his love by the more people that he adds in. In fact, we get the perfect mix of being a part of God's divine love. And Jesus has the authority to do that. But here's the thing. There's a catch. The only way to find that is what Jesus says in verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love this verse and I, it's one of those verses I memorized very early on as I became a Christian because it spoke comfort and peace to me. But I memorized that part, not the rest of it. We like the come to me part. We don't like verse 29. How does verse 29 start? Take my yoke upon you. See, it's not just coming to Jesus, but there's some requirements when we come to Jesus we have to take our take his yoke upon us and learn from him so he says come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and i will give you rest i love this again jesus is speaking to a crowd of people many in their thought that they didn't need anything many in their thought that they had their life all together Many in there thought that this stuff that he's talking about, well, that's that's good. If people want to believe that, that's not for me. And there were people in there who were weary. They were broken. They were hurting. They had burdens that they didn't think could ever be lifted because the same people who didn't think they needed anything from God were telling the people who were hurting and broken. They were saying, you will never be loved by God. You will never be clean before God. You will never be right before God. And then Jesus says, it comes in and he says, with arms open wide, come to me. And you can imagine as he's saying these words, the people in the crowd would have assumed that he was talking about those people who didn't need anything, who looked right on the outside, but on the inside were full of evil and wickedness. They would have thought this was an invitation to those who already knew him and, and, and are already loved by him. And yet, here's what Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Could it be true? Could it really be true? And then listen to what he says. And I will give you rest for your soul. See, this is... This is The water for thirsty people. This is the thing that satisfies the broken soul, the gospel. Jesus looks you in the eye and says, If you're weary, if you're broken, if you're heavy laden, come to me and I'll give you rest. The terms weary and burdened mean continual weariness and exhaustion without a moment of relief. You ever felt that way? I, I kind of feel that way right now. This, this nonsense that we've been having since mid-March has made me weary. It's burdened. And I don't feel like there's any relief and I don't know that there's any relief coming. And so as God led me to this past, as he was speaking to me clearly, hey Michael, is this you? Yeah, yeah, Lord, it is me. Listen to what I'm saying. Come to me. This is for those who are in continual weariness and exhaustion without relief. Burden means completely loaded down, unable to lift it off. You ever been there? So burdened. By something in your life and you think, I I can't, I can't get this off. And here's the funny thing. Everybody in that crowd that day, just like everybody in our crowd today, are weary and heavy laden. The difference is just like the first difference, are you willing to see it? Are you willing to recognize that need? Are you willing to come? Because, see, that's the call. Jesus doesn't say, stay where you are, recognize that you're this, and you're okay. Jesus doesn't say, feel bad about where you are, and you're okay. What does he say? Come. You have to come. You have to recognize your need and you have to step out in faith and respond and say, I'm willing to come. And then he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, I am not a farmer. I am not a rancher. I don't pretend to be. But living out here has helped me understand a little bit more about these things. And this analogy that Jesus uses in that day was very common. People would have understood immediately what he was saying. I bet many in the crowd that day had yoked together oxen at some point in their life. And they knew exactly why that happened. You would take a trained oxen that you could trust and you would yoke it with a young oxen that didn't know what it was doing and didn't know where it was going and they would yoke them together so they could be trained and the older oxen, the trained oxen would carry the load as they were training the younger oxen. And here's what Jesus is saying. Coming to him means that you get yoked up to him. You get attached to him. And the reason that his burden and his yoke is easy and it's light is because we're yoked to him. And what does that mean? What does that look like to be yoked to Jesus? Well, one, it means that he shoulders the load. Think about that. How is his yoke easy? How is his burden light when he's telling us to bring our weariness and our burdens to him and he's going to trade them for rest? Well, here's how it is we come and we throw all of our junk on him and he carries the load. He carries it. And here's the thing, no matter what you pile on him, it's never too much. There's never gonna be a point in time where Jesus says, that's enough, the load's too heavy, I can't carry anymore. You can keep piling it on and piling it on and piling it on and piling it on and he just keeps trucking. Why is his yoke easy? Why is his burden light? Because he carries the load. It's easy and it's light because he's in the lead. That's why he says, come to me and you'll find rest because that's what I'm gonna lead you to. When we're yoked with him, he's in the lead. He's driving the whole thing. He's telling us where to go. And sometimes he's pulling us in that direction. And so he says, listen, my yoke is easy and my burden's light because I'm carrying the load and I'm taking the lead. I'm leading you to where you need to go. It's reminiscent of what David talks about in Psalm 23. The Lord is our shepherd and he leads us and he guides us to still water, to green pastures, to restore our soul. It's easy and it's light because he does put a burden on us. Notice he says that. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, before we come to Jesus, our burden is heavy because it's sin, it's fear, it's shame, it's doubt, it's circumstances, it's our past, it's all these things. And we put that on Jesus and then Jesus puts a burden on us. Actually, we really shouldn't even call it a burden. We should call it a blessing. Let me tell you what Jesus burdens us with. Are you ready? Jesus burdens us with his love. Jesus burdens us with his grace. Jesus burdens us with his forgiveness. Jesus burdens us with his joy. Jesus burdens us with his comfort. Jesus burdens us with his peace and his presence. Does that sound like a burden? So Jesus says, listen, you take all this nastiness and you put it on me. And then I'm going to take all this blessing and I'm going to put it on you. That's the burden that I'm giving you. What a burden. What a burden to be wrapped in God's everlasting, eternal, unconditional, overpowering love. That's a burden, isn't it? What a burden to have peace that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a burden. What a burden that we have joy inexpressible, full of glory. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. But he says, learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls. So it's not enough to be yoked from him, yoked to him, that we have to learn from him. If we really want to find rest, if we want to live in the green pastures, if we want to lay beside the still waters, if we want to find restoration for our soul. We have to learn from Jesus. And Jesus quotes Jeremiah when he talks about finding rest for your souls. He's pulling out of Jeremiah chapter six, verse 16. And God speaks through the prophet Jeremiah to the people. And what Jeremiah says to the people is, listen, you're standing at a crossroads right now. You're standing at a crossroads and I am speaking, you to, speaking to you to tell you to go in the right way. I'm showing you the right path. And the people says, we will not go. We will not go. We will not walk. And the Lord says, But if you walk in my way, you will find rest for your souls. So here's what Jesus says I need you to learn from me so you'll find rest. And so, guys, here's the hard truth every moment of our life, we're standing at a crossroads. Every moment of our life, we're standing at a crossroads. And here's the crossroads. Are we going to learn from Jesus? Are we going to be yoked to Jesus? Are we going to follow Jesus and therefore find rest? Or are we going to be like the people in Jeremiah's day? Are we going to be like the people in the cities right before this and say, no, we will not walk in it? That's our choice. And so Jesus says, listen true rest will only be found in imitating my life. That's what he's asking. That's what he's calling. True rest will only be found in imitating my life. It's when we come to the place like Jesus said, not my will, not my will, but your will be done. See, here's the crossroads. If you really stop and think about it, how many times during the day do you fight for your will? For your way. How many times during the day does God prompt you or the Holy Spirit move you and you say, no, I will not walk in that. That affects my comfort. That impacts my control. No. And Jesus says, listen, I want you to learn. I want you to learn from me. If you want rest, if you want joy, if you want forgiveness, if you want peace, if you want all those kind of things, then you need to learn from me that what we need to begin to say over and over and over to ourselves and to the world, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus gave us the ultimate example of that in Philippians 2. Paul writes about this. And I want you to just listen to these phrases. And see if this really marks what your life looks like. Because if not, this is what Jesus wants you to learn. Do nothing out of selfishness or vanity. Do nothing out of selfishness or vanity. I don't know what the percentage is in my life. It's pretty high. Percentage of times that I do things in my life out of selfishness. And generally the phrase that I start with is, I don't want to. I don't want to. I haven't graduated from that wonderful phrase that I would share with my parents when I was a child. Michael, we need you to take out the trash. I don't want to. Michael, we need you to clean your room. I don't want to. And then God comes along in my life. Michael, I need you to go and share the gospel. I don't want to. Michael, I need you to be a servant. I don't want to. Do nothing out of selfishness or vanity. Think of others as more important than yourself. Do not look out for your own interest only. Only. Think about others' interests first. Man, if we just practice those two things, I think the world would just erupt in revival because, man, they would see something different. Humble yourself. I want to be real honest with you. That's a hard one. Nobody likes to humble themselves. Nobody likes to say, you know what, I have opinions, I have thoughts, I have feelings, but you know, for the sake of others, I'm going to humble myself. And the next time, and this is something, listen, I'm not getting on anybody. This is something that this is for me. I'm speaking to me and you're just getting to hear it, okay? The next time that you begin to say, I'm not doing this. I'm not humbling myself. I'm not doing this for other people. Just remember this. Where that phrase came from, it says that Jesus did not regard himself, his equality with God, as something that he needed to hold on to. He humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself to take on the form of a man, to live a sinless and perfect life, and to die. And when we stand here in our stubbornness and say, I will not do that. We need to remember that God is not asking us to humble ourselves and to go to a cross. Maybe what he's asking us to do is to humble ourselves and not say the stupid thing that we want to say. Maybe he wants us to humble ourselves and get over ourselves and serve somebody. Humble yourself. be obedient, lay down your life. Now here's the thing, is this hard? Yes, it is, it is hard. But can I tell you something that's important? This is hard, but I promise you the promise that Jesus made, if you will come to him and you'll be yoked to him, and you learn from him. Do you know what you're going to find in your life? Rest. Rest. You know, I told you before that the biggest obstacle in our life is us. And I also think this is true. The biggest enemy in your life is you. Have you ever come to recognize that? That you're your own worst enemy? Here's what Jesus is saying. Come to me, get yoked to me, learn from me and you're going to have rest and you're going to have peace. You're going to have life and you're going to have joy and you're going to have comfort. Come to me. Which group are you going to be in today? You're going to be in the group that says, ah, I haven't heard that before and I've heard it better. You you didn't do a good job today. I, I I don't need that. I'm satisfied with myself. I'm satisfied with who got it. I'm satisfied. Are you in the group that realizes that you're weary and heavy laden and you desperately want rest for your soul? You're not gonna find it anywhere else but in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we we come to you now and we just ask that you would help us to respond to you. We know you're speaking. We know you're calling. Father, we know that you have your arms open wide and you're just saying, come. 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 Come just as you are, and I'll make you new. God, help us to believe that, to trust that, and to respond. We ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. It's in his name we pray. Amen.